0: Hello adventurers, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 13 of the World of Azuria podcast. My name is Beth Ball, and I'm the author of the Age of Azuria epic fantasy series, which we'll be exploring in this show. In some episodes, we'll be swept away into the magical world of Azuria, as I read chapters from the novels and stories. In others, we'll dive into the lore behind Azuria, and I'll answer your questions about the world, characters, and more. If you enjoy epic fantasy worlds, immersive settings, nature-based magic, and vivid characters, then this podcast is for you. In our second season, we're traveling through Buried Heroes, book one in the Age of Azuria series. In last week's episode, Eliot and Marcone stumbled upon an intense debate within the druid conclave of the Vale Wood as to whether or not the druids should make themselves known to the neighboring city-states and if they should stand against the werewolf pack roaming across Caldara. Persephone gave an impassioned speech urging the druids to action and pointed out that they must trust the Saudad and Yvain as to the truth of what's transpiring outside of their remote forest conclave. In today's episode, we journey through Chapter 11, where Mara, Persephone, Cassian, Elioth, and Marcone sit down to share a meal together and discuss the revelations of the Druids' meeting. To discover what happens next, before new episodes are released every Tuesday, you can find Buried Heroes for free at BethBallBooks.com/shop or at your favorite book retailer. Let's start our adventure. The five of them sat together around a fire outside Mara's hut. Mara warmed salted meat and bread over the fire. Persephone's father, who introduced himself as Cassian, brought out a few bottles of wine. The Saudad have rules about these things, Cassian said with a wink when Eliath expressed her surprise at the vintage. The stress from the council meeting lingered over them. Mara and Cassian spoke in hushed tones, and Marcone contemplated the flames. Persephone, Eliath asked, Who are these enemies you spoke of at the council meeting? Are they really werewolves? The young Saudade glanced at Mara and her father before she answered. They are, yes. We do not know their exact location in the mountains, but they are on the move again. Have you not heard of their attacks? The news has not reached Linolin? The day I left, there was a whispered conversation I caught pieces of. They mention attacks, but I don't know who they believe is responsible. It is likely the same forces, though it would be difficult to be sure. Who was it you heard speaking? My stepfather and the head of the king's guard, Basha. Did they know yet what had happened to her? Had they sent guards out to search? They were worried. I believe they planned to speak with the Hadvarian nobles about it upon their arrival, to see if they are aware of similar occurrences. Datha. Persephone captured Cassian's attention and said something rapidly in a language Eliath couldn't understand. I have told him your news of the city state's awareness. We have been waiting to see when they might be alerted to the enemy's forces. Is there an enemy beyond the werewolves, then? Is someone leading them? Cassian knit his brow and watched Eliath and his daughter, and Marcone turned from the fire to their conversation. Mara broke the silence. There is another enemy, Elioth, one who will be most distressed to find you in our midst. But who would that be? I thought at first the elf at the meeting might have been referring to my stepfather and his officers. But even if he's been able to discover where I am, it will be a few more days before anyone he sent for me can reach us here. I can find somewhere else to go by then. That is kind of you, Elioth, but no, Berevic is reacting to something else. "'To grave news that's reached us from the Saudade,' Mara nodded to Cassian and Persephone, "'and from across the ocean from our sister conclave. "'But I don't understand how their news "'is connected to this enemy.' "'The world along the corners of her eyes "'pulsed in and out of clarity. "'She had thought that food and conversation "'outside around a fire, "'something she had only experienced "'as a fanciful diversion at elegant feasts and festivals, "'would allow her to make sense of where she was "'and what she was doing.' but it only served to pit her body against her as she continued to recover from the mountainside. I... you do not need to worry about him for now. You're safe here. Marcone stiffened beside her, but he relaxed the hand that had flown instinctively to where his sword hilt would have been at his side. While we deal with that, Mara continued, there's something I'd like to ask for your help with. We, as a people, have a local dispute that we have tried to make better progress with, but they will not hear us. That hardly sounds like an enemy, Marcone said. This is the only conflict the two of you need to concern yourselves with at the moment, though I would like to discuss your stepfather with you further, Elyeth. Would anyone care for more bread? The yawn escaped her before she could prevent it, and Mara shook her head. I had a feeling this might be too much. The phantom of a piercing ice creature returned to Eliot's limbs. Wait, I need to understand. I'll rest easier if I know what's going on. Mara knelt beside her and pulled the wrappings back on Eliot's arm. You'll need to rest regardless. I promise things will be clearer in the morning. But for now, your bandages need to be changed. Persephone followed Eliot and Mara into the hut, humming happily to herself with the dregs of a glass of wine. Are these enemies the same that Marcone faced before, Mara? Alessandra? She looked away, and Persephone held her other hand as the druid removed her sodden bandages. In a way, yes, though it's complicated. He will tell you more about her as he's ready. We are lucky to have his perspective. But the enemies they faced were more powerful than the ones you have heard discussed today. I'm glad your brothers are all right, Persephone. Ieliath met the Saudade's eyes as Mara set the last of the wrappings aside. "'Where were they when this happened? Has it been very long ago?' "'Thank you, Ieliath,' Persephone said. The sharp sound of the tease when she spoke was charming, but sheer sadness gripped Ieliath's heart when Persephone lowered her eyes to release the tears onto her lap. "'We have lost many friends recently, and I thought that Felix and Stefan were among them for a time.' I was overwhelmed with joy when they came back, but now, on occasion, it is difficult for me to hold the gaze of some members of our muster, those who have lost children or partners while my family remains whole. I know I've only met you and your father, but I'm sure the other Saudad don't wish for you to feel that way. Persephone sniffed and wiped her eyes. You are right, they would not. Datha says that I place too much pressure on myself, because I have the gift of sight. I can see dangers when they are on the horizon, so long as they are not too obscured. But I could not clearly make out to the werewolves. Wine and fatigue began to blur Iliath's senses. Sitting inside a druid camp, speaking with the Saurad, werewolf attacks in the mountains. She couldn't shake the sense of standing at the edge of a folktale as the lore of Azuria took shape all around her, painting a new landscape and path before her feet. The lycanthropes remained hidden from us as well. Mara's voice interrupted Eliot's reverie as the druid returned from her collection of tinctures and herbs. She dipped a towel into a small bowl of water and began to blot away the remains of her previous poultice from Eliot's arm. Persephone said, I did not yet know how they kept their presence so concealed. My mother, she also has this sight, she was planning to teach me how to peer through arcane wards when I next visit her in Hevra. Your mother doesn't live with the Saudade? And the stories Iliath had heard, the saudade prided themselves on remaining in their extended family units. "'Sometimes I forget that we have just met,' Persephone smiled at her. "'My mother is not a Saudad, though she lived with my people for a time when I was young, while she and my father were together. But though we travel, and roaming is part of our very being, for Esmeralda, it is not enough. She longs to be utterly free.' "'When do you see her, then?' Elioth couldn't tell if Persephone admired this quality of her mother's, or if it made her sad. Perhaps a mix of both. I stay with her for a month or two each year. Or almost every year. There was one very hard winter in the city when I was small. It made her worried to have responsibility for me. Datha is very kind and says that he will take me to see her whenever I wish, but I know that she needs plenty of time on her own. Elioth squeezed Persephone's hand. My mother is distant, too though I see her almost every day, but I think that she's the opposite, afraid of freedom, or she doesn't trust herself. She lets my stepfather bend her to his will and refuses to stand up to him. Eliot's voice grew quiet, even to protect me. Persephone's features scrunched together as she contemplated this. She surprised both Elioth and Mara as she wrapped her arms around Elioth and pulled her closer, just as Mara prepared to apply her healing dressing. We will find our own way then, but Mara will help us. The druid laughed as the twin smiles turned toward her. That I will. For the present, though, I need my patient to hold still so her arm can heal. The saddle giggled. I'm sorry, Mara. She released Elioth and settled into a more comfortable position on the scattered pillows and furs. I will tell you a story while you work that is dear to my people. The Lost Circle of Arisen. Persephone's accent grew deeper the longer she spoke, and soon Ieliath found herself drifting off to the mystical tales of the Saudade, legends she had studied in the castle come to life in a forest far beyond its walls. Ieliath woke with the first rays of sunlight the next morning, the soft breathing of her new friends filling Mara's intimate home. Cassian rested against the wall, his armored leather coat undone, and his sword and sheath on the ground beside him. A mass of dark, auburn-brown curls hid Persephone's face amid the pillows and blankets. Mara's shoulders rose and fell evenly on her other side. Marcone wasn't among the sleeping forms. A cool breeze drifted over to her from a fold in the hut's door flap as he stepped out into the crisp morning air. Elioth wrapped herself in Mara's green shawl, found her shoes— "'and followed him outside. "'I hope I didn't wake you, lady,' he said as she emerged. "'No, I am used to rising early.' "'A mandate in your castle?' "'More a personal preference. "'If I waited, less of the day was mine to do with as I wished. "'But if I woke with the sun, "'I could spend some time outside in the gardens "'before I had to attend to other duties.' "'And what did those usually involve?' "'Much of it was still of my own choosing.' She settled beside him on one of the log benches placed around Mar's outdoor fire pit. I often worked with languages and translation. My friend and teacher, Katerina, is a celestial scholar. I assisted her with some of her projects. Is that a common pursuit for many? Not as far as I am aware. Katerina is unique. She grinned at the swell of memories and found Katerina's gorgeous blonde hair and the golden glow of sunlight at the treetops. She saw me as more than a young noblewoman, awaiting the fate dictated by my family. That would have been singular enough, but I knew from the time we spent together that she genuinely cared about me, too. "'You are not close with your family?' Ilyeth chuckled. "'No, I am not. I have wondered why you did not feel a more pressing need to return to them. In my experience, most people worry about those they have left behind.' "'Was that the case for you as well?' I was an orphan, so there was less for me to worry about. I'm sorry, she lowered her eyes. There is no cause for you to be, but thank you. Marcone reached over and pulled the edge of her shawl tighter around her shoulder and over her crossed arms to prevent the wind from catching it. Our conversation did not continue long after you went to sleep last night. What did you make of what they said? I would like to know who this enemy Mara spoke of is and why they are interested in you. I've been thinking about that too. There are people who, how should she phrase it? There are a few individuals that I would prefer to never see again, but an unknown being who wished her harm. It made little sense, which amplified the queasy unease at the base of her stomach. I've no idea who this would be or why they would wish to harm this community because I am staying here. Is it possible that it goes the other way? That they do not want you to be with the community, and your presence here places you in danger? I hadn't thought of it that way. Why had he made that connection? A piece of her heart shifted internally, settled into place. His guess was close to the truth, whatever it was. My stepfather would not want me to be here. Or Lord Stravinsky. The brief peace Marcon's insight had brought was crushed in a wave as her insides rolled. This misadventure had provided such a narrow escape. Were anyone working with him, she added. Do you consider him to be an enemy of yours, lady? Yes, she whispered. There was one time before when he knew something I thought would be impossible. We were so careful. Her tear-stained memory of being dragged away from Teodric as he lay broken, unmoving, on the castle floor flooded her senses. The glint in the duke's eye as she sprinted into the main ballroom of the Hedvarian palace after Lord Stravinsky's assault, her wheezing breath barely contained, his cruel smile on countless occasions. Elioth studied the patterns in the layered dirt across her doe-brown boots while Marcone waited for her to continue. Theodric, one of the other nobles in the castle, my close friend, he tried to help me escape once before. We had to rush our plans, but we had been so diligent about keeping them a secret. In spite of all of that, my stepfather's guards, they knew exactly where we were going to be. She'd heard Teodric's ribs break when they slammed him into a wall and rammed a fist into his side. She fought to free herself from their grasp, but they were too strong. They lifted her off the ground, and one clamped his hand around her mouth. Her face was bruised for days afterward. They held her and made her watch while they beat him until he lay on the ground unconscious. Iliath blinked away the tears. She hadn't seen or heard from him since, and she had long ago stopped looking for a ship to bring him back to her. They stopped us. She couldn't hide the pain on her face from Marcon when she forced herself to look up. And I never got to leave again, until now. Iliath hugged her knees and turned away. A heavy hand gently squeezed her shoulder. Marcon's eyes were filled with concern at her distress. I am sorry, lady. He knelt in front of her to bring his eyes on level with hers. But I swear to you, if it is within my power to prevent, you will never be trapped inside those walls again. Eliath sniffled and smiled at him. Thank you, she said. I don't know how he found out what we'd planned, but he knew. The sight of Marcone's jaw twitched. And you are worried he will try to come here. He will send someone as soon as he has an idea of where I am. He sounds like a right prick. Elioth laughed in surprise. He is. The runes faded in and out along Marcon's neck, pale tattoos that grew clearer with the sudden intensity of his blue eyes. I owe you a great debt, Elioth. You saved me, returned me to myself. I know not what these signify. He bawled his hand into a fist to stretch the runes beneath the surface. But I will do what I can to aid you, to help you find somewhere safe from your stepfather, if that is what you wish. Gratitude nodded in Ielyeth's throat, and she blinked quickly to clear her eyes. Thank you, she said as soon as she could trust herself to speak. Mara's door flap flew aside as Persephone bounded into the clearing. "Bon anniatza, my new friends, she said happily as she hurried to sit next to Ielyeth. May I share your shawl, Elioth? It is quite chilly here in the out doors this morning. Iliath smiled as she opened the shawl and tucked her new friend inside. They huddled together, and soon thereafter, Cassian and Mara came to join them. So, Persephone began, where were we? Mara studied each of her guests in turn before she turned to Iliath and Marcone. I began to tell you last night of an issue we've been trying to handle on our own for a short time, but we've met with little success. You spoke of it as though you had a local enemy, Iliath said. In a way we do, yes. It is fortuitous that you are here, Elioth, as you may be the perfect person to help. What do you mean? A few weeks ago, the mayor of Trudad, the town nearest our settlement, received a tempting offer to log the forest we all share, and has hired an aggressive company to help him. We recognized that a small amount of logging, for development or modest expansion, is normal for towns, and we tried to stay neutral in these situations. Mara turned to Marcone. After the end of the War of the Champions, new cities arose, and the cities that survived the war increased in size. Our people warned them of the possible consequences of these swollen populations, but, much as we are today, they were ignored at best, persecuted at worst, and the city leaders were unmoving. The waters rose, cities faced disaster, but still, change was refused. The final remaining community of druids disappeared along with their forest. It is said that the devastation grieved them beyond endurance, and the gods removed them from the earth. Yeliath was aware of the great flood, but she hadn't heard the druid side of the history before. The ocean took their place. The great cities that had grown over the 2,000 years after the war disappeared, drowned beneath the waves. So many lives were lost, entire cultures, the world could not go on as it had, and so, the fin- and so the final remnants of Eldura were washed away and renamed Azuria, a world marked forever by the dividing and joining waters. Mara's expression was grave as she waited for their reaction. Marcone stared at her, his expression torn between grief and rage. And this is why the old names did not endure, why our history was lost. Mara nodded. Yes. Yes save a few remnants and in spite of alessandra's victory the world of eldura was destroyed he looked away from her and cassian came to sit by his side do not lose faith my friend a few places survived the memory of their realms is long in azuria's most ancient cities andolcehevra and serenia they possess remnants of your time as well but more importantly you have returned to us have you not and with you Your history lives. Eliot smiled at Cassian's encouragement. The Saurad truly were a remarkable people. I've heard some of those stories before, she said. Every once in a while, they appeared in mining Katarina's research. Your friend is wise, Persephone added. Most have forgotten the great floods and their devastation. Mara nodded. We have a sacred duty not only to remember, but to try and prevent such destruction from repeating. With this bid, the man and the loggers go beyond what the land will sustain. They are cutting deep into the forest, rapidly, and removing such a large portion that the trees will not be able to recover naturally. We have sworn, as the ancient druids did, to not bring back the forest when it has been decimated by others, but to let it do its best to survive. The purpose of our magic, of our work, is to preserve and to protect but we will not raise the trees and plants from the dead only for them to be massacred and used once again. That was one of our ancestors' mistakes, and it is one we do not intend to make twice. Diplomacy, however much her mother and tutors had tried to teach her, did not come easily for Elioth. I would be more than willing to help you and the druids, Mara. but why would the mayor listen to me when he is not willing to listen to his neighbors?' Our informants from the town believe the bed has come from the Lenalinean court, from the office of the king. Elioth's heart fell. You want me to tell them who I am and ask them to stop? The conclave and I had hoped that might be possible, yes. If I do that, my stepfather will find out where I am. He will send soldiers after me if he is not already. What if there were a way for her to avoid going back to the castle? Marcon asked. He sat up tall beside her once again. Could you and your people offer her protection, Mara? The druid began to smile, and a mischievous glint returned to her eyes. For a time. Had Mara thought of this before? Did she want Elioth to join them? Would that really be possible? Because of the other enemy you will not speak of? Marcone regarded her sternly. Mara's lips parted to speak, but she bit them together instead. Marcon leaned toward her. You must tell us, Mara. She cannot be protected from a force she does not know. Thank you so much for joining me for today's adventure through Buried Heroes in the World of Azuria. If you'd like to find out more about me or my fiction, you can find me at BethBallBooks.com. You can also find my books worldwide at your favorite bookstore, or ask your local librarian to add them to the library catalog. To stay up to date with the world of Azuria and be the first to know about upcoming fiction projects, visit bethballbooks.com join. I would love for you to be a part of my reading community, The Story Enclave, and as a special thanks to you for a limited time, you'll receive a free ebook copy of Aurora when you sign up. If you'd like to connect with me, you can find me on Instagram at bethballauthor or on Twitter at GroveGuardian, or you can email me beth at bethballbooks.com. Today's episode is sponsored by Amber Queen, book three in the Age of Azuria series. I also wanted to take a moment to recommend Song of Parting, one of the prequel novellas for the series, which can be read at any time, but if you're curious about the story that E. mentioned, how she and Teodric became separated, about five years before the action of Buried Heroes, you can find that story in detail in Song of Parting, and you'll find out some cool world and character things as you do. Also, you can pre-order your copy of Amber Queen at bethballbooks.com shop, or at your favorite bookseller, where you can also find Song of Parting and the rest of the Age of Azuria series. If you enjoyed our time together today and would like to hear more stories set in Azuria, you can support the podcast on Patreon at patreon.com slash groveguardianpress. Look for the Faye and Damon Tears. We return to Buried Heroes next Tuesday, July 27th for Chapter 12, where we travel across Azuria back to the forest of Torstrayvon, where Genevieve flees the burning ruins of her conclave. The theme song for this podcast was created by Garrett Rose of The Bardic Inspiration, who you can find on Instagram or Patreon at The Bardic Inspiration. Happy travels, and I hope that we'll be adventuring together again soon.